This episode of AmateurLogic.tv is brought to you by Gigaparts.com, the amateur radio online superstore. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM. Spring is here, and it's time to take ham radio on the road. Take ICOM with you en route, on location, and on the go. Welcome to AmateurLogic.tv, episode 54. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. And it's great to be back with you again. Tommy Dayton is coming up, and you and I are hitting the plane next week, aren't we? Uh, yep, Thursday morning. Thursday morning. i got to be there at 6. What time do you fly out? I'm on the same flight you are. You are? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm on the same one back, too, part of the way. Okay. I wonder if we'll run into our buddies from Miami this year and you know, have the ham fest there on the back row of the plane like uh-huh. last year. Oh, that's pretty cool. I yeah. hope so. Yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, they were pretty cool guys. Yeah, they were. Well, we got a great show lined up tonight, and uh, we're going to be talking about remote operations. And we, we took uh, three different paths on there and eventually got them all to work. Yeah, it was a little bit of a challenge on one of them. But yeah. uh, anyway, it worked out pretty well. It did. Peter, what's been going on down under? Well, uh, let's see, lots of study. As you know, I'm just finishing up a course at uh, MIT, uh, which I'm which studying for free over the internet, and uh, uh, I'm pleased to announce I passed, which is great. I'm just trying to get my mark up to finish with a good final mark. Oh, good deal. You know, my son has been studying Gordo's books. He's going to be taking his technician exam Tuesday. Yeah, can you get your son to talk to my son? Because uh, I'd love for mine to take it, too. I need to. Well, I had to expose mine to ham radio for, oh, I don't know, 21 years or so before he finally caught on that, hey, that could be fun. Yeah, well, mine's been uh, exposed to it, too, but it doesn't sink in that fast. Yeah, give him another nine or ten years. Yeah, about 30 years is Thirty years. constant bombardment. Yeah. We ought to do it, huh? Yeah, once once they hit 30, <laughs> you got a, ch- a chance there. <laughs> uh, does your son have the neck? He uh, on some stuff. His, his knack is mostly aimed toward music. He he's a professional musician, mm-hmm. but uh, he right. does a little electronics tinkering too. My my son kind of does, but he's he tries to suppress it. So yeah. he thinks it's kind of not cool. With it's going to come out. Buddies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those that are um, wondering what the heck we're talking about, uh, go search on YouTube for a cartoon called The Knack, uh, and also put in Dilbert. You'll see what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, George, I was going to mention to you, it looks like you got a bit of a snail problem out there in the driveway. Well, you know I do, and I went up to Lowe's and I bought some snail bait, but, man, I just can't get the stuff on the hook. It's too small. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we'll get them. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> well, let's, smaller hooks. Yeah. Let's get into some emails here. Peter, what have you got? Well, my first email here comes from uh, Martin, VK3AKG, 
And uh, he says, like so many other pre-retirement age uh, amateurs, heavy commitments with work and family don't allow me to devote much time to the hobby, etc. Um, well, at least I watched all the amateurologic shows. I watch on the big screen via Apple TV or via a mobile device on my commute to work and really appreciate the production effort that goes on behind each episode. Um, it's great to know that I'm not the only fruitcake who's nuts about amateur radio. Yeah, well, thanks for the email, uh, Marty. Um, yes, it's. Uh, I must admit, uh, with our busy schedules, it's hard to find time for uh, uh, for amateur radio. But uh, yep, uh, good to hear from you. Oh, cool, uh, Tommy. I think you've got one there from uh, from a long time viewer, don't you? Yeah, I've got one from Jim. It's kind of funny. He says, "I just got through watching." The April episode and couldn't get over how many Jim and James were featured in the emails. I counted five, I believe. Very cool. Uh, said, I love the behind the scenes section. It's nice to see someone else manually dropping the peaks before the uh, compressor limiting. It's been so long since I've seen that, I thought I was the only one left doing it. <laughs> I still use Cool Edit Pro 2.1 for noise reduction, dithering, and MP3 conversion, mainly because I haven't found anything better after all these years. It's a, it's a good program. Uh, the only thing I missed was how you do your lighting on yourselves and the green screen. What do you use for the green screen, uh, specialty paint, or a store-bought mix? Overall, another great show, and I haven't got my ticket yet, but I'm hoping to get it this summer. Thanks for all your hard work, Jim. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed uh, his email address there. It's Smurf. I don't, do you remember Smurf reading an email by yeah. him? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good one yeah, I sure do. Yeah, so maybe he will get his ticket there. That'd be fun. Yeah, okay. And uh, the green screen is Gamma Sector Green. It's a Disney color, and I got that mixed at Home Depot. And it was less than half the price of ordering, um, you know, green screen paint. Yeah, it's worked great, place. too. It has. It's, it's worked really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dayton is uh, coming up. and well, he, well, he, he asked about the lights as well. The lights. Okay. There's a there's a row of fluorescents up here, and there's a diffusion panel in front of them to keep yeah. it from spilling out on the table in yeah. front of us, and that evenly lights the green screen back yeah. there. Yeah, so. that's a uh, that's an eight foot daylight balanced fluorescent tube up there, just one, and I had to do the diffusers on it because we weren't getting good even lighting on the screen. Yeah, it made it made a big difference too. And over here on Tommy's side, we've got a, a soft box up there that's got. Uh, Two 100 watt equivalent uh, fluorescent screw in bulbs in it. No, it's got four in it. That's right, it's got four. And then on this side over here, we've got uh, two more and a little bit smaller diffuser. And and that's our lighting. And it's worked mm-hmm. pretty good. Those daylight balanced mm-hmm. bulbs seem to. Oh, yeah. It yeah. uh, kind of helps out with a white balance. It does. You know, we used to use the reveal bulbs, and they didn't. Um, they, they did okay, but we always looked a lot redder back then. Mm-hmm. And we, we always do the white balance on the camera as well with a sheet of white paper yeah. um, to make sure yeah, everything's the right color. The green really throws it off back there if you leave it on auto. Yeah. So, Tommy, what, what all are we going to do at Dayton this year? Man, I'm hoping we get to see at least half of it this time. I do, too. I don't think we yeah. got near that far last time. No. <laughs> Maybe we should start at the other half. And, there you uh, go. See the half we didn't Good see. Good idea. Yeah, I got a little shopping list, a few things I want to get. Uh, yeah, not a lot. Yeah, I, I'm still working on my list. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll get a few more things on there before we head out. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the probably the funnest part of it is meeting all the people. Yeah, some great yeah. people out there. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, but the flea market is also a lot of fun too. Oh heck yeah! 
Uh, and we're also going to be taking a couple of field trips while we're up there. Uh, we're going to be going to the Voice of America. Yeah, that's going to be. Oh, I'm looking forward awesome. to that a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's the VOA Museum. I'm not sure exactly what's all there. I know they've taken the towers down now. But uh, hopefully there's some transmitters and gear around there to look at. Yeah. And yeah. Where's the other one we're going to? I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that. <laughs> I did. It's a WLW. <laughs> yeah, that's right, WLW. Been uh, a rough day. A real famous AM station here in the States. It used to be called, what, the Voice of the Nation, I think. And yeah. that's because they, uh, they ran QRO. Uh, you, you know, the maximum power for a uh, an AM station here is 50 kilowatts, and there's uh, there's a good many of them, but not nearly as many as there are uh, lower power. But these guys back in the uh, 30s and 40s ran 500 kW for a while as an experiment. Yeah, we ought to be able to get a little footage of some of that stuff, I think. Maybe you guys will see it. Yeah, the, the transmitter is still there, the old 500 kW, so we're really looking forward to that. And visiting with friends, as you said, and uh, maybe we'll drop in on a few parties while we're there. Hey. We're always game for that, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, looking forward to a big time in Dayton and hope to meet some of you there. Uh, you know, we we get a good many um, a good many subscribers on the Facebook page there, and we've got a pretty good group going there. If you haven't checked it out, go to Facebook and search for Amateur Logic, and you'll see what's going on. A lot of good technical discussion and. Uh, just general stuff going on, but there's another group that's starting to pick up. Yeah, the Google Plus group. It's it's a really amazing how fast that group's grown. Yeah, it's not as big as a Facebook. I think it's, what, maybe a little over 500 it's a little, members. A little over 500, but it got there just like that. Yeah, almost overnight. So we, we need another <clears throat> little uh, spurt of growth there. And yeah. we think um, we, we think after you see what we've got here that <laughs> maybe... Maybe you'll join it. There's some great guys on there, and it's uh, not quite as many posts yet, but we're working on it, but they're totally different. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of lighthearted, uh, just a lot of fun. Yeah, there. a lot of the history of amateur logics on there that you won't find elsewhere, like like this first one, Tommy. Yeah. You remember back uh, when we had the cable TV show? Yeah, ALTV World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That- yep. Party, party on. on. Party on, Tommy. <laughs> party on, George. <laughs> and then, you know, this uh, classic uh, photo here when Peter came over and we took that vacation down to Mexico. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to not uh, made it back from that one. Yeah, it was it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the big uh, St. Patty's Day uh, party that we held. Yeah, you know that leprechaun looks really familiar? He does, doesn't he? <laughs> to be sure, to be sure. Yeah, <laughs> and Tommy, that doesn't look look exactly like a pot of gold in front of you. It looks more like a pot of vittles to me. Yeah, it's chilly. It's chilly. Okay. <laughs> and then you know we started out in cable, but you know we eventually managed to get on network television uh, with the show that you know we had with the General Lee. Oh yeah, the Dukes of ALTV. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeehaw, yeehaw, yeah. <laughs> and then. Um, you know, Peter got into the network scene there. Uh, he had one there. Uh, what was the name of that, Peter? Oh, yes, Billabong Watch. It's a nice-looking mm-hmm. pet you got there. Yeah, nice man purse. <laughs> treat him nicely. He bites. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, probably, Tommy, the most fun we had was 
Oh, it, I guess it was back during the 70s when we had the band together. <laughs> I got things are insane. <laughs> I got to say, he picked out the right picture there for you, man. It looks, looks like you had a rough night. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I did. <laughs> you should grow the mustache back, man. That was a good look for yeah, you. That was, and... You know, we burn our lips on the soldering iron there, but yeah. other than that, it was a good time. Yeah, it kept falling off the dash. Yeah. <laughs> Got some burn marks in the carpet there. On. Yeah, you sure that was from the soldering iron? Uh, well, I can't say. <laughs> you know, we want to thank uh, uh, Mike Morneau for producing that V3MIC. He made all of those pictures. We yeah. never know what he's going to put on the Google Plus. Uh, yeah, those, those things. I'll, I'll get a thing to pop up on my phone that says i was tagged in a picture yeah and uh, i'll look over there look, uh, yeah oh no i'll actually i look forward to it they're, they're yeah. really hilarious anyway, yeah i'm sure it's a lot of work to do that appreciate you doing that mike it's pretty funny <laughs> it is we didn't show you all of them there's a few more on there but uh, who knows what'll be next uh, yeah come join us over there on the group you'll find it a lot of fun yeah well you know our friends at gigaparts are uh, big supporters of amateurlogic.tv and they've got a little something here they'd like to present us this month. Looking for a compact HF rig, but don't want to give up any features or ease of use of a traditional base station? The Yesu FT450D is a full-featured, portable, and powerful alternative to using a mobile rig for field ops. With 100 watts on single sideband, you'll get 5x9 signal reports with a footprint smaller than 9x9 inches. The FT450D has advanced DSP technology with IF shift, width, contour, and manual notch controls for digital noise reduction. An easy-to-read display with large frequency readout make operating the FT450D comfortable in all lighting conditions. Compact, advanced, affordable. The FT450D has it all. Gigaparts is the largest independent amateur radio dealer in the nation. Everything you need for ham radio, including books, DVDs, antennas, rope, coax, and tuners. Gigaparts has it all and is open Monday through Saturday. Call us toll-free at 866-535-4442, and our friendly staff will be happy to help you find the right products for nearly any project and budget. Online shopping made easy with real-time pricing and availability and free shipping on most orders. Go to gigaparts.com and enter to win a free radio. Have a question? Click on Live Chat for a quick answer. Low prices? Huge selection. America's favorite ham radio store is Gigaparts. So when you're looking for some ham radio gear... Go check out Gigaparts first. Uh, I think you'll find that their prices are very attractive. Yeah, they've got a huge selection of ham stuff, but they also have Arduino stuff now. Yeah, they just got into the Arduino, so, uh, you know, that's a, a good fit for our crowd here. Oh, yeah. You know, the stuff we do that's got Arduino on it seems to be, um, oh, usually we get more hits on that than we do the regular ham stuff, so we think that non-hams are watching that. And uh, we're kind of reeling them on into the hobby a little bit at a time. Okay. Right. Well, you will be assimilated. Yes, yes, you will. <laughs> we are the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get on into uh, tonight's program. 
You know, we're talking about remote operations, and the first one we got here is a, a little product called Remote Shack. Well, it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon. It's a nice day to relax, and what better thing to do for relaxing than do a little HF. So I'm going to try a little backyard on the deck HF today. We're going to uh, call into George's remote setup he's got over there at his place and uh, take it for a test spin, kick the tires on a little bit. So let's dial in. He's got it hooked up to the landline, but uh, you can hook it up to Skype, uh, uh, Magic Jack, you know, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different options for that. He's one of the few people I know that actually still have one. Enter my passcode. I just happen to have one. Top secret. Three eight six five zero LSB. That just happens to be where we want to be, but you can change the frequency on it by hitting star zero zero three eight six five zero and star again, and that would put that frequency into the VFO. So let's try it one time just so you can hear it. Three eight six five zero LSB. The thing's got really great audio feedback. It's nice and clear. So let's uh, let's put the radio in transmit mode. Right now it's in receive mode. Transmit would be pound four. Transmit. So now it's enabled transmit. That doesn't mean it's transmitting. It just means that it can. Now to transmit, we hit the one on the keypad. To stop transmitting, we hit the zero. So let's hit the one and say something and see who's out there. W5JDX and 5ZNO. Just sitting out here in the truck on a leisurely Saturday afternoon, waiting on my wife. What are you doing? Well, I'm sitting out in the backyard on this nice day, man. It's beautiful out. Uh, nice day to relax, and what better thing for relaxing than a little HF? Well, now, how are you doing that from the backyard? I know your microphone cable's not that long. Yeah, well, I, I snuck in through the back door at your place. You should like how the radio sounds. Since I was yours. <laughs> okay. So you logged in through the remote shack through my rig, I guess. Uh... I'm going to give you that password. Yeah, well, <clears throat> you know how it is, man. You're going to have to change it now or I'll be using it all the time. I got another trip out of town coming up, so... You want to talk on your own radio, you might want to change your password. No, uh, Roger, are you on an iPhone? Yeah, downloading on my iPhone 5 and uh, using the speakerphone. Right now, how's the audio sound? Um, it sounds pretty good. You know, it's not like you were on a, uh, you know, yeah, on your base there, but uh, as good as a lot of audio on here on that Yeah, Roger, you sound pretty good. Sounds, uh... Well, like you'd expect, like a phone call. Yeah, I guess that's what you'd expect. You know, I have not tried that on Skype yet. You're supposed to be able to connect in Skype with it and put your webcam out in front of the rig so you can see what's going on. But 
haven't tried that myself. Yeah, that'd be a nice way to operate. Wouldn't tie up a line. Need a, a landline. I was just mentioning a few moments ago, you're one of the few people I know that actually have a landline. Yeah, but you're not on it. You're actually uh, coming in on a Comcast telephone number. Uh, still, still on a pair of wires. They're just not twisted. Okay, Tommy. Good to hear you. It sounds like this thing is working. Yeah, it's working great. Anyway, I appreciate you coming back to me. I'll catch you a little bit later on. Alright, seven three N five Z and O W five JDX. And there you go, remote shack. Tommy bootlegging on my rig from his iPhone. So that was pretty good, not bad. So now what we'll do is I'll put it back in receive only mode, which will be pound one. So there's no accidental transmitting going on. And then we'll just hang up. And then after a few minutes the unit will reset itself. And it'll be ready for the next call. So what is this remote shack? Well, it's just a little box that connects to your radio and allows you to remotely control it. On the rear, there's a telco link, which you just plug a phone cable into, and then you can get on the air from any telephone or cell phone, no matter where you are. There's also an audio link in and audio link out jack that can be used for connections with Skype or other voice over IP services. There are optional cables for different models of radios that you can get. And basically there's one cable that plugs into the auxiliary port on your radio. And then you've got a serial cable that goes into the serial connection on your radio and a power supply. And now you're all set to go. Just a few little menu settings in the radio itself and you'll be ready to go on the air. So I'd say the remote shack makes a good solution for remote control operation when you may not have access to the internet. Yeah, you know, I interviewed that guy in Huntsville. The guy who produced this? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing product. Yeah, you know, it's being distributed by uh, MFJ Enterprises now. And where can you find these things, Tommy? Yeah, MFJ mfjenterprises.com. Yeah, and probably I think they have it at remoteshack.com. And Gigapart sells these as, as well as a number of mm-hmm. other ham radio distributors. Yeah. So might be uh, something you're interested in, particularly yep. if you don't know whether or not you're going to have Internet. Um, you know, this will work probably mm-hmm. almost anywhere. Yeah. And uh, let's get on back into the emails here. I've got one here from uh, Emmanuel, KH2FI, and he says, Hi, George. My name is Emmanuel. And uh, he, one of his friends sent him a link uh, to the video where I was using uh, Raspberry Pi for the PSK31, and he said he was very impressed with that. Uh, the, he had tried FL Digi himself and uh, didn't have any luck with the Pi, and he's glad to see that Lin PSK seems to work well. And he said he's thinking about getting into uh, SSTV and wondering if the Pi would uh, possibly run the Linux program QSSTV or if we thought it was. Uh, you know, two processor intensive. Uh, keep up the good work. Um, you have a new subscriber. Well, Emmanuel, I I don't know. We we haven't tried SSTV on the Pi. I'm thinking that's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, Peter, have you tried it? You're our local. Well, you're not local, but you are. Uh, he was local last night. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I've tried a few different programs um, with the uh, with the Pi. I I forget whether I've tried QS. STV, 
But um, what I can tell you, though, is that some programs which may not ordinarily run uh, with the Pi, if you run the Pi headless, that is, without using the graphics uh, part of it, uh, then it, sometimes those programs will run. Um, I, I think there's a good chance, though, it's not, it doesn't sound too processor intensive, so uh, uh, if you overclock it a little bit, um, it may work. Okay. It should be worth a try. Yeah, it'd be worth trying. If somebody tries it, let us know your result. Yeah. Uh, Peter, what's on your email stack down there next? I've got an email here from Phil, WW2E. Uh, thanks for the great video about the Canberra Deep Space Communication Complex on Amidologic Episode 53. Good work. I really enjoyed the segment. I thought you did an outstanding job. Thanks very much. Look, uh, all credit to the uh, staff at the Canberra uh, Deep Space Communication Complex uh, who were kind enough to open their doors uh, into areas which aren't uh, normally available to the public. Uh, I had a great time. It was a personally very satisfying visit. And uh, look, uh, basically, the, you know, all I need to do is point a camera at the place and it kind of sold itself. Uh, I do recommend if you're in, in or around the Canberra area, go visit it. And uh, thanks again to all the staff at the, the complex. Yeah, that, that was really interesting. Uh, yeah, it was. And, and kind of informative, too. You know, I thought that movie The Dish was accurate, but <laughs> apparently <laughs> uh, not completely. Yeah, no, it was entertaining. Took a few liberties. Yeah, yeah, it was. Tell me, what have you got next? Well, I've got one from my friend Richard. He says, I live in New Brunswick, Canada. I'm an avid follower of Ham Nation and AmateurLogic.tv, studying for my ham ticket and hope to be able to take my exam later this spring if my health allows it. If not, I hope to take it before winter. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, I have a Yesu FT-1900R mobile set up as a base so I can monitor the local repeaters. I also have a FT-250R and a VX6R HT. Um, as I write this, I'm watching Amateur Logic number 51 about D-Star. Hearing you talk about D-Star, I plan on getting on there as soon as I can, as soon as I pass my ticket. Um, so the main reason I'm writing this, I'm wondering if it's possible for you to do a show on setting up a basic VHF ham shack on a limited budget and what's necessary. I know I'll need a good radio, but what is a must-have and what's considered an extra? I can't do it. Um, if you can't do a show on ham shacks, could you do a show or a segment on antennas, on the best antennas for HTs, VHF, and UHF? Any info is appreciated. An avid follower, Richard, says, uh, keep on making such excellent shows and also hope Ham Nation is on for many more years, too. So <laughs> Yeah. So he watches both shows. But uh, I did do something similar after going to Huntsville that time but yeah. uh, it might be time to revisit some of that it, it could be and i haven't watched it myself <clears throat> but our friend randy k7age mm. just released a, a couple of videos i think for uh new technicians getting into the hobby mm -hmm. and i think maybe he covered some of this kind of stuff but like i say i haven't watched it so i uh really don't know yeah exactly and the, and, and the, the uh, antenna idea is actually a good one uh, mm, maybe yeah. some information on the different game, different types of antennas and stuff. So we have to look into that. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the most important lessons I learned in recent years from HF antennas is 
don't smush the antenna. And that basically means that don't have your hor- if you've got a horizontally polarised antenna, don't have it too low to the ground because your signal will be reflected straight up into the air. A lot of the, I think a lot of amateurs don't realise that and consequently don't get the best performance out of their setup. A vertical, on the other hand, will uh, uh, with a good ground plane, uh, will um, you know have a nice low a- angle of radiation and, and uh, not have that that problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, low angle of radiation like a vertical would have that's good for working DX and and, and mm. further out stations. Uh, a horizontal antenna, a little lower to the ground, not yeah. too low, is better for working close in stuff. Yeah, he, he's talking about mostly doing VHF stuff though. Yeah, he, so. I, I did have to summarize it because it was a it was a very long email, yeah. and he he mentioned mm-hmm. that uh, it'll probably be a while before he gets on HF, so he's most interested in the VHF stuff right now. Okay, well I've got one here from Mike VE three MIC, and he says, uh, "Good day, guys. I'm largely responsible." For a great deal of the antics taking place on AmateurLogic.tv Google Plus community. That's the mic. There there you go, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, although it's been said many times, we viewers and hams and tech enthusiasts can't thank you enough for the time and effort you put into ALTV and the social media channels and the roundtable net. I, uh, I know that the others would agree. Uh, when I say, if there's anything we can do to help out in any way, just say the word. Here's the word. Tell your friends. Yeah, tell your friends. You know, he was actually on the uh, the Echolink net we had last yeah. month. And, and I talked to him and everything, and I, it never really put together that that's who it was. No, it, it didn't happen until later. Um, uh, somehow I, I figured out that's the mic. Uh-huh. That's the guy right yeah. there. So sorry about that, Mike, but we'll know... We got you pegged for next time. Yeah. <laughs> so. you, you know, I was over at Huntsville, uh, oh, I don't remember how long ago it was now, a few weeks back. And while I was over there, I had a little talk with Richard Stubbs and convinced him to do the MFJ spot for us this time around. The world-famous R8 now has a big brother. This is the Cushcraft R9, a 31.5-foot, 25-pound vertical antenna that covers 6 through 80 meters. It is lightweight. Low profile, blends into the sky, 1,500 watts, full SSB, CW. Easy to put up in a single afternoon, and you'll enjoy it when you got weather like this today. Big Brother R9 now includes 7580 meters for local rag chewing and world band, low band DX without radials. Its omnidirectional low angle radiation gives you exciting and easy DX on all nine bands, 7580, 40, 30, 20, 17, 15, 12, 10 and 6 meters with low SWR. QSY instantly. No antenna tuner needed. Use full 1500 watt sideband CW when the going gets tough to break through pileups and poor band conditions. The R9 is super easy to assemble. Installs just about anywhere and its low profile blends inconspicuously into the background in urban and country settings alike. It installs in an area about the size of a child's sandbox. No ground radials to bury with all RF energized surfaces safely out of reach. It's very rugged construction. It uses thick fiberglass insulators, all stainless steel hardware, and 6063 aircraft aluminum tubing. Is double or triple walled at key stress points to handle anything Mother Nature can dish out. It's 31.5 feet tall, 25 pounds. The mounting mast is 1.25 to 2 inches, and the wind surface area is 4 square feet. 
We also have the R8, which is the little brother, like the R9, but it, it does not have 75 and 80 meters. And this R8 TB tilt base lets you tilt your antenna up and down easily by yourself, so it's easy to work on. And we also have a three-point guide kit for high winds. We recommend if you mount it on the roof or any higher on a tower or something like that that you use the three-point guide kit, and that's R8GK. Thank you very much for tuning in to Amateur Logic. We appreciate it. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. That's a nice-looking antenna there, Tommy. You know, I saw it, and it was really windy that day, and it stood up there pretty good. And uh, that's a lot of bands, nine bands on a single vertical, and not really that tall. Yeah, no kidding. That's, it's pretty nice. Yeah, and pretty we'll nice. be uh, we'll be seeing Richard again in Dayton here in a week or so, and maybe we can get him in front of the camera, too. Yeah, Mr. Jew, too, maybe. Yeah, hopefully so. They like to see Mr. Jew. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. So what have we got up next uh, on the remote control project here, Tommy? Well, I got to play around with the RSBA1 software from ICOM mm-hmm. and the RC28 uh, little control knob that goes yeah. along with it. Um, and uh, we had the uh, IC7410 radio over at my place. Yeah. Got it all working together. Well, let's take a yeah. look. I got some great software I want to show you today. We've got the ICOM IC7410 radio here, but on top of it, I've got my netbook and the RSBA1 software running on it. It's connected together with just one USB cable. And what this is going to do for me is I can use that software, control this radio just like I'm sitting here using the front panel on it. The radio has sound cards built in it so the audio comes back into the, the laptop and you can actually use this and a microphone connected to it to transmit and listen to the radio. The cool part about it is there's a remote utility that comes with the RSBA1 software also that will allow me to set up a server running on my laptop and someone can connect with the client of this software. They can control the radio just like they're sitting here in my shack. It's really cool stuff. The response is is very good. The audio quality is good. Um, It's pretty amazing. You had a peak of this software maybe a year, year and a half ago when we were looking at one of the other ICOM radios. There's an option now that wasn't available back then. There's an RC28 remote control encoder. It's a hardware device that gives you a tuning knob and a push-to-talk button and a couple programmable function buttons that you can use. Gives you a nice hardware feel like a regular radio if you're operating remotely. George has that over at his place, and we're going to cut to him here in a few minutes and let him control the radio, and I'll show you what's going on locally while he's using it remotely. To get it to work, we had to go into the set options on the radio, get the address so we could put it in the software so it knows how to communicate, and get the baud rate for the virtual serial port that works through the USB cable here. Let's take a look at that. To get the software to work, we have to go into the set options, so hold down the menu key until set comes up, and then scroll up and down through them until you find the options that you need. 42 baud rate that sets the baud rate for the virtual serial port that needs to be checked you can set it to a hard-coded number or it'll adjust to whatever you have the port set to on your computer and uh, let's go up to address this is an important one this is set to 80 so we're going to need to put 80 in the address box on the software to set it up and uh, transceive is on so that you can use the remote transceiver there's a bunch of options 
uh, look through your manual that came with your radio and see what you need to set for it. Let's take a look at the remote utility. To set it up to be a server, we're going to have to go into the network settings, set the ports that you want to use. This is the defaults, and those ports will need to be open on your router. You need to add a user. I've added myself, and I added him as an administrator, and I, I put my top secret password in there. And for the radio list, we'll need to add the radio, put the radio name, set the address, the one we got out of the set menu on the radio earlier, set your baud rate, make sure your user is in the permitted list that we just added, and uh, click OK. You're good to go there, and make sure public is set so it can be seen from the outside. I'm not going to cover all the setup information in the video. Go to the ICOM America site and find the RSBA1 page. There's a quick reference guide link there. If you go into that quick reference guide, you'll find information about everything from setting up your firewall, opening your ports, uh, which ports need to be open, how to connect the radio to the computer, setting up the server, everything you need to know about setting this up and making the connection and getting it running. Since Tommy was bootlegging on my rig a while ago, I'm going to bootleg on his now. And I just got it tuned in here with the RS-BA1 software. And I've also got this RC28 remote control knob here, this uh, new product from Icon. plugs into USB. And you've got a VFO knob here you can spin and change the frequency on the rig as well as a transmit button and a couple of programmable function buttons. So... Uh, this ought to be interesting. I'm going to move the camera around here now where you can kind of see behind me and uh, get a look at what's going on. So here's the software right here running on my computer. And here's the RC28 down here below. I'm going to tune around a little bit. I guess I need to turn up the volume though on the rig. So uh, let's turn it up where we can hear. Now, a moment ago, I heard a QSO party. Here he is. Let's see if we can make a contact. Whiskey 5, Juliet Delta X-Ray. Was there a Whiskey 5, Juliet Delta X-Ray? Uh, QSL, Whiskey 5, Juliet Delta X-Ray, George, in Jackson, Mississippi. Thanks for uh, Mississippi, Whiskey 5, Juliet Delta X-Ray from Kilo Radio 9 Echo. You're 59 Davis County, Indiana. That's a DAV, QSL. 
Uh, QSL and your 5-9 into Jackson here. 7-3 and good luck. Uh, good luck to you. You're 5 over actually in here. Uh, CQ to Indiana QSO party from Kilo Radio 9 Echo. Okay, sounded like that worked just fine. Uh, got him first shot out. Of course, I thought I would because he was coming in mighty strong here. So, Tommy, I guess he's got a decent antenna on 40 meters. Let me zoom in here. Let's just uh, take a little closer look at this software. Okay, so we can see right here on the uh, VFO, I can spin the knob on the remote control here. And it goes right on around. Just pick it wherever we want it. And this wide button here at the bottom does transmit. If I hit this button, you'll see it go into transmit mode there. Hit it again and it's back out. So that's pretty neat. If you're running remote, this would be handy to have because it feels kind of like a real radio there. you got a dial to spin. And as a matter of fact, I believe that's the same knob that's on my IC7000. You've got a push-to-talk button there as well and a couple of other programmable buttons on it. There's a uh, mini USB connector here on the back that runs over to your computer to a USB. Now, you will need the latest version of the RSBA1 software to operate this, but if you've already purchased the software, then the upgrade is free, so no problem there. Uh, I upgraded it here on my end, and Tommy did on his too, so that it would work. But this gives us full control of the rig. We uh, can transmit, access the tuner, the monitor, antenna switches, uh, the preamps, all the noise reduction, uh, all the knobs that are on the front of the rig. We can choose modes. We've got meters here displaying uh, the same thing that Tommy's seeing there on the rig. We can adjust our bandwidths. Uh, do virtually anything. Go through the memory channels, select what band we want to be on, fine-tune on the filters, or we can spin the knob right here with the mouse if we'd like to. Uh, but if you've got this one right here, boy, that's, uh, that's pretty nice. I like it. Uh, I didn't know, well, I figured I would, but uh, until I actually got here and started spinning it and playing with it and uh, clicking on that button, I didn't know it was going to feel so much like a radio. So, uh, good job on this one, ICOM. You can see George had a pretty good time using my antenna and the radio here. Actually made a good contact uh, for the Indiana QSO party. And uh, the audio quality over there sounded as good as it did here. That was a lot of fun playing with that, Tommy. Where can our viewers find that? Yeah, well, of course they can get it from my friends at Gigaparts. Yeah. But uh, I guess any of the ICOM dealers should have it as well. They should. And uh, that was, you know, like I, I said in the segment there, add a little more realism to the experience. Yeah. The the latency, or, you know, it was really tight, wasn't it? It was, it, it was, it was right on the money. You know. Yeah, I, I I was quite impressed with that, Tommy. Uh, I don't know about you, but as much as I like software like HRD, I do like the tactile feel of ha you know turning a knob, be it a volume knob or a, a frequency knob. It's just something about you 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 just want to tune it ever so slightly, and you know you don't quite can't quite do that as as effectively with a, a computer keyboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it really made a difference. So, yeah, it's kind know. of natural. Yeah, mm. it is, and, and for me, it was like being at home almost because it's the same knob that's on the IC7000 mm -hmm. uh, that I've got. It, it made me well, think about some of those uh, 
rigs that just run off of the software, like yeah, the one Jim's SDRs, got. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Was it a really heavy knob? You know how some knobs are, are really heavy to turn, or was it fairly I, light? It was fairly light. I couldn't tell if there was weighting up under it, but it, it felt just about like my IC seven thousand tuning it, and the the uh, the push to talk button had a nice little click to it that you could feel when you went down. So uh, yeah, it, it was good. Yeah. As, as far as the weight of the box that it was housed in, it was it, very it, was, heavy. it was heavy enough. It's not going to slide around. It had yeah. rubber feet on the bottom. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't open it up to have a look inside, which I'm guilty of doing a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> well, surprise you didn't mod it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter, what else have you got on your stack down there? Yeah, I've got one final email here. This one is from uh, Ed VK2JL who uh, you remember was my cameraman uh, when I was uh, up at Wyong. And uh, thanks again, Ed, for the help with the, the camera uh, work, which was great. Uh, now, he says here, uh, the reason for the email, there was a question, I think, in an email you read out, asking whether the US exam training manuals from Gordo would be any good for Australian exams. Well, we have an Aussie Gordo equivalent. Fred Swainston has been running courses and publishing exam training materials for many, many years, I'm told. Since there's obviously an Aussie audience for amateurlogic.tv, it might be nice to give Fred and his books a plug on the show. And he provides a a link, which I'm sure George will put down at the bottom of the screen, to www.silvertrain.com.au forward slash AOCP.htm. So I'm not familiar with those. Uh, he says here Fred produces the Radio Theory Handbook sold by the WIA and a self study CD for the regulations. Uh, these two, along with your entry into amateur radio. Well, I've seen your in- entry into amateur radio, uh, which is the foundation class manual, and that's excellent. So I've no doubt then that uh, those materials will be uh, quite good. So he's the Australian equivalent of Gordo, then, huh? Sounds like it. Shirtless? Shirt? No, he probably has a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gordo's cornered the market on that yeah. one. But those of you who, who don't know what we're talking about, let's just leave that alone. Yeah, it, that's kind of like he's going to be famous for that, kind of like Jim is with the torch. He is. Mm. Do you have spring fever? Looking for a new toy to take with you on the road? Then hit up this season's Ham Fest, which are well underway, and check out ICOM. Great handhelds, in route, on location, and on the go. The ICV-80 is small in size, but military tough with loud audio. It's a 2-meter handheld with 5.5 watts of high power. There's two versions available, the ICV-80HD, which is a full package that includes the radio, a BP-265 1900 mAh lithium-ion battery pack, and the BC-193 rapid charger, or the V-80 Sport. It's the same radio packaged with a AA alkaline case rather than a charger rechargeable battery pack. Operating time averages 13 to 19 hours, depending on your battery pack. The ICT-70A dual-band FM transceiver is intuitive and durable for classic 2-meter, 70-centimeter operation. And there are two versions of this radio, the ICT-70A HD, which is a full package including the radio, a BP-265 1900 mAh lithium-ion battery pack, and a BC-193 rapid charger, or the ICT-70A Sport, which is the same radio, but it's packaged with a AA alkaline case rather than a charger rechargeable battery pack. 
It's military tough and compact and fits comfortably in the palm of your hand. It operates and charges simultaneously with an external DC power supply and more. The rugged IC92AD is the VHF, UHF, and D-Star capable HT that I use. The submersible construction can withstand the harsh outdoor elements. The wideband receiver has dual watch capability. There's a built-in voice recorder in DV mode. The simple band scope displays on a large backlit LCD, and the optional GPS mic is great for emergency communications and search and rescue. The IC-80AD is another ICOM dual bender with extended receive coverage. It's an affordable option for hams interested in trying D-Star. It operates and charges simultaneously with an external DC power supply, and there's an optional GPS speaker mic that shows position data and auto position reporting in DV mode. My UHF ID31A has so many features for on-the-go use. It has a built-in GPS that reports your current position and altitude. It's compact and lightweight with waterproof construction. It also has a micro SD card slot. My favorite feature is the auto repeater list for quick access to nearby D-Star repeaters. It also comes with CS31 cloning software to keep that repeater list up to date pretty easily. Make sure you visit ICOMAmerica.com for more information on ICOM's line of handheld radios and HF, VHF, UHF radios. So Tommy, let's get back into the remote stuff. We had a little DX on this one, didn't we? Yeah, we had a good QSO from Australia. Hello everyone. This month we're going to try a demonstration of Ham Radio Deluxe from the other side of the world. I'm down here in Melbourne, Australia. I've installed the latest free version of Ham Radio Deluxe on my computer. Over in the US in Mississippi, Tommy, with his Yaesu 857D, or FT-857D, has installed Ham Radio Deluxe on his computer. And uh, basically, I'm going to try and remotely control his rig and using a very basic interface, uh, control the transceiver, talk with it as if I was in the, uh, the United States in Mississippi. Now, there is one slight uh, difficulty with all of this, and that is that Tommy wasn't quite able to work out the push-to-talk circuit. So we're going to use Vox, and basically that means that I'm going to use my microphone here, and you know, when I'm talking, uh, when I switch the microphone on, what will happen is that will drive the Vox circuit of his radio and it will transmit. Conversely, when I switch my microphone off and there's no audio coming through Skype, basically the radio will hear nothing and will not transmit. So uh, if this works, this is great because it basically shows you that no matter where you are in the world, you can remotely control a transceiver and have a conversation with somebody. So let's see who we can rustle up on HF. Uh, W5JDX, W5JDX. This is Victor Kilo 3, Papa Bravo, here in Melbourne, Australia, calling W5JDX in Mississippi, United States of America. Are you there, George? Yeah, no worries there, George. Uh, W5JDX, Victor Kilo 3, Papa Bravo. Uh, well, I'm actually using Tommy's setup uh, and using HRD to talk through Tommy's rig, and he's not that far away from you, I don't believe, uh, to be able to talk with you. And, um, yeah, it appears to be working okay. 
your signal probably about uh, four out of five. Um, the uh, uh, there's a, a bit of static in the background. Um, that's probably due to band conditions. How are you receiving me at your end? Uh, a W5JDX Victor Kilo three Papa Brava Vic VK three PB. W5JDX VK3 uh, PB. Uh, it's it's my first time actually using HRD, um, and uh, first time I've uh, actually transmitted. I think from memory with a um, with a transceiver using remote controlled software, and it works pretty well. Um, you know, I can hold a conversation with you pretty much like I would if we were using Skype. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't know where I was. I mean, uh, so, you know, I could be in the United States, I could be in Jamaica, or I could be anywhere. And uh, I, as, uh, uh, as I can see on my screen here, I can operate all, all of uh, Tommy's controls on his uh, FT-857D and uh, change bands, uh, change frequency, uh, play around with the, uh, the noise blanker and uh, things of that, that nature. Uh, funnily enough, though, uh, even though there's a lot of static, uh, I'm not actually getting a lot of static crashes here. Uh, the uh, It's just a, a, like a constant drone of static. Uh, I do wonder whether that's something to do with the, the HRD program. But uh, otherwise, it, it's pretty good, and uh, it's sufficiently good that I can make out what you're saying. So, uh, you know, a thumbs up for the software. It, it works very well. Well, there you go. Uh, it works, and it works really, really well. Uh, I was so impressed that I was able to control Tommy's transceiver from down here in Melbourne as if the rig was sitting on my own desk. Ham Radio Deluxe, provided you've got a good internet connection, uh, allows you to do that. And there was little or no lag. I had full control over all the uh, the the buttons and the uh, the dials, I could easily change frequency, switch modes, no problems at all. The only thing in this instance that I had difficulty with was the push to talk, and that was simply because Tommy didn't have quite enough time to get that, that running, but it can be done. 
the only other thing, of course, is the antenna tuner. Uh, you probably would want to use this kind of a setup with an automatic antenna tuner. Uh, or to have an antenna that, uh, like perhaps like a G5RV, that will work across all the bands uh, that your uh, transceiver uh, will use. But otherwise, it's just like having uh, the transceiver on your own desk. And uh, you know, I could have been in New York in a in a, an apartment somewhere, or in a retirement home, or somewhere where it would have been difficult to have put up an antenna and used a transceiver. And by using the internet and a transceiver at some distance away, um, you know, I, could, I had all that functionality. Uh, I could carry on a, a conversation with somebody in the US uh, as if I was in the US. So Ham Radio Deluxe gets the thumbs up from me. Well, that was a lot of fun, uh, George and Tommy. The audio quality was great. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just amazing operating a transceiver uh, on the other side of the world. The only downside a little bit was the, the conditions. There was a fairly high static floor um, on that uh, or noise floor on, on the day, but um, it was all very usable. Uh, the only thing that uh, would, have, would have improved it would have been the ability to operate the push-to-talk because, uh, of course, we were using the Vox, and what I was doing was switching my microphone on and off. Uh, in order to transmit and not transmit. So, but look, yeah, lot, lots of fun, and uh, uh, I think I should add also that it's it really it would be really good for somebody in, a, say, a retirement home who can't uh, put up an antenna. Uh, this would be a way for them to actually participate in the hobby. Uh, you know, uh, without uh, all they need is a computer and a, an internet connection, and away they go. Yeah, any of these solutions would be good for that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they'd all be perfect for that. And uh, you said it uh, was not the best conditions because we had a fairly high noise level. I'm going to amend that and say we had an extremely high noise level. Yeah, we did. I have a little bit of a, well, I I have a noise problem on 75 meters anyways, and, uh, yeah, but it was it was extremely bad last yeah, night. Yeah, there weren't many people on 75 meters last night. It was just so noisy. And, uh, you know, Tommy and I are only five miles away, and we were having trouble hearing each other. So that, that lets you know uh, poor conditions uh, on HF last night. Maybe we'll try this again one day, Peter. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, just quickly, Tommy, what antenna do you have on your rig? I have a homebrew uh, off-center-fed dipole. Okay. Vertical or horizontally mounted? It's horizontal. Okay. No, that's fine. It's, uh, I thought that maybe if you had a vertical, it's been said that sometimes uh, verticals tend to attract more interference. Mm-hmm. I don't know the truth of that, but still, it's been, so, been said. Yeah, the ones I've tried were, were that way. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, let's uh, talk here a little bit about giving away some of this stuff. Tommy, you know, the desk is getting mighty cluttered here. Yeah, we need to clear it off in time for field day. So what have you got over there you, you, that we need to clear out, Tommy? Just in time for field day? Just in time for field yeah. day. <laughs> I've got a nice ICOM IC7200 HF radio. Yeah, and it looks like it's got a uh, custom shop paint job on it there. Yeah, it's got the olive drab green right now, which looks pretty cool. But you could also, uh, if you win that, you could get it in that color, or you could get it in Vietnam era camouflage or the uh, new digital desert style. Yeah, the digital camo is awesome. Yeah. Whoever wins this is going to get to pick their choice of the uh, paint job on it there, and it'll be painted and shipped to you in time for field day. And uh, you've got something sitting on top of that there. Yeah, we've got an MFJ power supply, MFJ 4230 MV, 30 amp, 
That's that little bitty one you liked so much last time. Yeah, you, this one may not go with the rest of the stuff. You no, may get it's, my old it's got to go. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> I thought I'd just give him my old big one. Yeah. No? And we've also got a, uh, a Howl Sound uh, Pro Set 3 that'll go with this. You know, that's Bob's new uh, stereo headset. So mm-hmm. when you're not on HF, you can plug it in and uh, enjoy some tunes with yeah, it. Yeah, that's a nice set. Yeah. And uh, what else there? We've got a Radio Waves DX80 antenna. That's uh, speaking of off-center fed dipole. I think this is one, isn't it? It is. And uh, I'm, and I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong, but it's Mastrunt Guy Rope from Gigaparts. Yeah. yeah. Nice stuff. Heavy stuff, yeah. You catch a big fish with that. Got a 50-foot of MFJ RG8X coax cable. Yeah, right down here. And we did say we were going to give away uh, two of George and Tommy's private stock PL259 connectors. I know you and I discussed it, and you just couldn't come off of them this time. Yeah, yeah it's kind of <laughs> tough. I, you know, I just had to give some of them up a few months ago. Yeah. Actually, the coax already comes with the uh, PL259s installed on it. Yeah. So to make up for that, I put two of George's uh, favorite crimp terminals here on the wires going to the power supply so we didn't short out anything. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. That'll, that'll cover it. I've got to get some more of those while we're in bed. I guess now. I'm going to have to get one. You, you owe me one. Turn, yeah. So, <laughs> so um, <laughs> this is going to be a nice setup. Uh, we didn't mention this, though, and that's this MFJ big ear antenna that's coming with the set. You know, this is that 18-foot uh, telescopic antenna. It's got two of these on it, like yeah. rabbit ears. And uh, also, there's a coil on one of them so that uh, you can tune the thing for different bands. Yeah, and this will work 40 meters and up. Uh, and there's the mount right there. It just goes on a pole, and your other antenna goes out here. You know, I, I've played with this thing a little bit. Boy, it, I mean, perfect for something like field day oh, yeah. or portable operations. You can throw it up quick. You don't need a tuner because you can adjust the length of the antenna to tune it. So mm-hmm. uh, it really works out good. Now, if you'd like to win this, a few contest rules here, not many. Number one is what, Tommy? You must be a licensed U.S. amateur radio operator with a U.S. shipping address. And we wish we could open this up to other countries as well, but, you know, just due to the logistics and all of, of making this happen, we haven't been able to do that yet, but we are looking in to some ways um, possibly yeah. to do this for other countries. Yeah, there's some legal issues, I think, yeah, with some, of, some countries. Yeah, you know, every country is different on their uh, rules for uh, lotteries or, or Internet giveaways and all. And, uh, you know, it, that's uh, a lot of study that, that we'll have to do to pull that off. We're going to try to come up with something if we can get some sponsors from some of these other countries mm-hmm. to kind of help us do this. Yeah, sure. I hope so. Now, one of the rules is uh, the contestants can only make one entry. Uh, don't enter more than once or you'll be disqualified. Right, and uh, the winner's responsible for any taxes incurred. And the winner agrees that we can use their call sign and name in any promotional news items that are related to the contest. And the contestants must not be an employee or an affiliate of Amateur Logic, ICOM America, MFJ Enterprises, Gigaparts, or Ohio Sound. Uh, yeah, so that leaves us out, as always. Yeah, uh, I'm getting used to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to enter, then send us an email to fieldaycontest at amateurlogic.tv, 
and put only your call sign in the subject line so we can sort these out easier. And in the body of the message, include your name, call sign, class of license, and your address so we'll know where to ship this. Right. Your submissions must be made by Monday, April the 15th, and or between Monday, April the 15th, and Saturday, June the 8th, 2013. That means you've got uh, not quite a month left to enter. So if you haven't entered yet, be getting it on in there because somebody's going to win this, and I've seen how many entries we've got. And uh, there's room for a few more entries. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you uh, if you got ham friends that don't watch the show and aren't aware of it, be sure and tell them. Yeah, tell them to uh, go watch the latest AmateurLogic.tv. Or you can also tell them to go to AmateurLogic.tv slash contest, and you'll get the full uh, rules and regulations, all the details there. And uh, to, uh, to give this away, what we're going to do is just uh, do a random drawing of the names that we received and the winner's going to be announced on the June 15th episode of AmateurLogic.tv. Right. If it's determined that the winning entry doesn't meet the qualification requirements, another winner will be chosen with the same method. Yeah. So you have until June the 8th to enter. We're not going to announce it to the 15th, but we need to get those entries in and do the drawing by June 8th so that we've got time to get the rig uh, to Giga Parts to do the paint job on and get it shipped out so that the winner will get this in time for field day. Right. So, um, anyway, you can get more information at amateurlogic.tv slash contest. Yep, and uh, good luck to someone. We're not sure who, but uh, someone's going to have a nice field day set up this year. Yeah, no doubt. What have you got on your email stack there next, Tommy? Well, I've got one more email left. And uh, this is, uh, I love getting all the emails, but I really like these. Um, this one's from our friend Daniel, AC8NP. He says, Hi, I wanted to let you know that I used your information to build a fox hunt transmitter with the Arduino and a Baofeng. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Wouldn't want to tangle yeah, that's with a, that. that. Yeah, that's another thing for radio, but that's what it is. Anyway, I, he said he had to add a resistor. said the problem he had was the radio would flicker the LED Red, purple, and green. His radio club friends thought maybe it was overpowering the mic circuit. So he looked at his external mic schematic. He noticed there was a 33K ohm resistor in there. So he hmm. added one of those, and it and it worked great for him. He said, I use this as part of a Boy Scout camporee we held this weekend. I'm working on getting our scouts interested in amateur radio. We had a round-robin training in the morning with first aid, knot tying, tape measuring, uh, tape measure antenna building, actually. Uh, four, Excuse me, did I get that right? Not tying tape measures? <laughs> <laughs> Not tying and tape measure okay. antenna building stations. Uh, the four groups of scouts together built two Yaggies with the help of four local hams. Later in the day, the hams hid the transmitter and helped the scouts do a fox hunt. We uh, Things went great and all had a great day. Thanks for all you do, which helps others like myself to provide opportunities to serve our youth, 73, Daniel. And that's what I was talking about. Any, anytime you're helping kids, uh, giving them something to do other than finding trouble to get into, yeah. it's a great thing. It's all about the youths. Yep, the youths. <laughs> anyway, appreciate what you do, Daniel. That's it for this episode. We do want to mention a couple of things. Go by Facebook and search for Amateur Logic and uh, see all the uh, technical discussions and, uh, and just general chats going on on there. Yeah, come by the Google Plus community. It's growing all the time. Uh, come join us. It's a lot of fun. 
Um, kind of a little bit of a different crowd. A few of the same people's Facebook, but there's a few different ones as well. Yeah, and also uh, follow Amateur Logic on Twitter to get the latest info on what's going on there. And where can they find us, Tommy? If you want to watch Amateur Logic, what are your choices? Man, we are pretty much everywhere we can be. You can go to the website, and we've got links to YouTube. Uh, we're on Roku. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got direct downloads from the website. And we're on iTunes. And, and Yep, and we're on iTunes. And uh, also, don't forget about the wiki. That's amateurlogic.tv slash wiki. Our good friend uh, Dan Van Evenhoven does that wiki for us. And you can find show notes there, as well as some of the links on things that we talked about here, any schematics or drawings that we may have that are related to it. And uh, thanks for that, Dan. And we'll be seeing Dan next week in Dayton. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. And we've also got a net coming up here, don't we? Yeah, we have our Echolink net every month on the Monday following the show. And that'll be what day this month? I believe that's on the 20th. May the 20th. Uh, join us on the Dewdrop In conference server. That's star Dewdrop In star or node number 355-800. And what time is it? It's uh, 8.30 Central Time, and I didn't do the conversion. What would that be? Uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah. We'll let you figure it's that out. 8.30 Central Time. <laughs> yeah. I so we did so, that on here one time yeah. before. <laughs> so join us there. We, uh, we have a lot of fun, and it's uh, brought to you by uh, the folks at Do Drop In. We appreciate Dave and Steve and everyone there for putting that on for us. Everybody. Yeah, they do a great job running the net. Thanks, guys. They do. Well, I guess that's it from here. Boy, we're looking forward to a great weekend in Dayton. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be bringing back a lot of footage for you in some future episodes. And hope to see some of you there. Yeah, hope to. So with that, I'll say 7-3. Yep, talk with Richard Stubbs and convinced him to do the MFA spot or MFJ spot for us this time around.